Well, Pitt gets a 45-24 victory over Rhode Island. It wasn't the best game. It was no New Hampshire game from last year. But I'll tell you why you shouldn't panic or even really react to this game. And the one thing I might be slightly concerned about, but then I'll also talk about why, when scanning around the ACC, this is actually a pretty good performance. It's all coming up today on this episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome back to Locked On Pit. We're talking Pitt's victory over Rhode Island today. It was an interesting victory. It wasn't a overwhelmingly dominant one. It was a comfortable one, but not like the 32 and a half spread that you saw, right? Like this was not a shellacking. This was not the New Hampshire 77 to 7 win from a year ago. That it was not. But it was certainly a comfortable win. And then, uh, you know, I saw people overreacting to this about how this played out. And folks, calm down. Calm down. I'm telling you, trust me, this game was not that serious. And I want want to let you know that because it's extremely important to note that Pitt really didn't try in this game. And I mean that very, very specifically. Pitt came into this game with a very confined game plan of what they wanted to do. And, man, they weren't going away from it. They wanted to run the football. They wanted to work their screen game. They wanted to protect Keaton Slovis. Maybe here and there take a shot playoff play action. But they wanted to get out of here with very little injuries defensively. They wanted to mix up coverages a little bit to see how it would work if they could get out of their quarter stuff and into some other stuff and see maybe how that could work in the future. I think it's very smart. Of them to do that. They were rotating guys in and out. I mean, we were seeing twos in with the ones. We were seeing threes in with the twos, threes with the ones. We were seeing twos, threes, fours. Wow, it was a mix of craziness. It was so crazy out there. And so, this specifically is a game I can't take much away from. Like, Keaton Slovis's average depth of target was just slightly north of four yards. Like, he was not pushing the ball down the field, and they didn't want him to. They wanted to run the football. Clearly, Izzy was a force. I think we just kind of expect Izzy to do what he does at this point. 19 carries, 177 yards, four touchdowns for Israel Abani Kanda. Vincent Davis was 751 and a touchdown. I mean, listen, there was a lot of good stuff from this team on the ground in this one. And again, Slovis, 20 of 27 for only 189 yards. He was not trying to break the mold here. He was not trying to push the ball down the field and let the deep ball rip. He wasn't trying to do anything crazy. Keaton Slovis, what he really wanted to do was not turn the ball over and and Pitt really wanted to, more importantly, just take things slow. 
They wanted to control the pace of this football game. And that, to me, was something that I saw work extremely well in this game. And this is now back-to-back performances for this running game that I think are very encouraging. Uh, Now, that's Western Michigan and Rhode Island, so you can only take that with so much grain of salt because, listen, if I'm telling you not to panic, I also don't want to tell you to overreact. Like, the run game is not suddenly going to be elite just because they ran over Western Michigan and Rhode Island. Now, it's good to see that they are doing that. It's great to see Israel Abanikanda essentially putting an ACC Offensive Player of the Year campaign together after a rough start against West Virginia. You love that because he's been on an absolute tear in the last three games. But you also have to realize kind of the confines in which you put this running game in when you run so much wide zone and how successful that's going to be when you have guys that can move and a running back that is willing to cut up and just go. And that's what Izzy's able to do. And it's especially what Vincent Davis is able to do. I loved how they used Vincent Davis today. I hope we see Vincent Davis used a little bit more like this in the future because when he was in space, man, he's just an efficient back. I mean, three for 34, seven for 51. Uh, He is a guy that just creates so much yardage, 47 yards of yak today for Vincent Davis. Like, that's impressive. The guy just creates yards. The guy just creates things around him. He really is such a solid player. And so here's the thing. Pitt is just not doing a ton in this game. They are not trying to push the envelope. They aren't trying to do a ton. And I'll say that. I think that's exactly why you have to look at how Pitt game plan today. Their game plan was conservative. Their game plan was to test their screen game that they hadn't tried out much in the first three games. Clearly to me, they want to get it in somewhat. Like these games are a cool down game for Pitt after three intense matchups. That Western Michigan game wasn't supposed to be as intense, but it was because you lost your top two quarterbacks. You want to cool things down and they did. And again, offensively, I thought they were fine. I thought they played pretty well, actually, offensively within the style they wanted to. Um, with how run heavy they were and how much they wanted to just throw the screens uh, and essentially keep it in that little box of plays. And then every now and then they would trick it up a little bit, but they didn't do it much. I, I thought they did a really good job, actually, of executing their offensive game plan. Very efficient running the ball. Um, I thought Jake Cradle looks great at center. I thought that's been a really nice thing to see. Uh, Losing Owen Drexel sucks, but Gabe Hoy was back in this game. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, So that's been good to see, though. Jake Cradle looks great at center. Um, He looks phenomenal. And so this running game has had some almost rejuvenation of sorts with him back there uh, snapping the ball. Hasn't had any bad snaps. And, and like, that's the thing that I always get scared of, actually. When you throw in a new center, it's not necessarily as much about – say, oh, Pitt is going to not be able to run the ball because the center know it, or he'll have pass pro issues. I mean, that could be a thing, but it's actually just the snap itself. Like, is he going to be able to snap the ball accurately in shotgun, pistol, under center? Is that all going to be good as a snap snap? Is the center quarterback exchange going to be clean? And that's where they had. And I thought that's been a good thing as well. I thought the offense played well in this game. Um, For what, again, what the style they thought they were, I'm not making any – 
big sweeping generalizations. I see some people calling out for Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis was fine in this game. He did exactly what was asked of him. They didn't want to do anything crazy. And yeah, they did dial up some deep shots, and he just didn't take them because they weren't open. He just took the check down, and it was a smart play. So uh, I think Pitt kept him in a box today uh, to kind of protect him. And I thought that was actually smart, of course, trying not to get Keaton Slovis injured before Georgia Tech next week. Um, so I, I think that they did a nice job, actually, on this game plan, um, executing it. They blocked the screens pretty well for the most of the day. Uh, their playmakers created things in space. I thought Izzy was great. I thought the room blocking was great. But I want to talk about the one concern I have, and it's on the defensive side of the football. But first, folks, I want to let you know about Underdog Fantasy, because this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. There's an emphasis on easy to get started, and folks, it's easy to play while you are watching Pitt play. So, folks, all you have to do is in the pick'em, you can like someone, for example. Let's say you like Keaton Slovis, and his over-under is 250 yards in this game against Georgia Tech next week, for example. So you can go down and get that. You like Keaton Slovis like that. Maybe then you want to throw another one together. You like Izzy Bannon Cannon to get over 102 yards as well. And then you like Bub Means to get over 37 and a half receiving yards. You can put all of those together and you can still put them in your pick them. So feel free to go out and do that. Put some money down on your pit players or any other bet. You can go around the ACC if you like DJ Uyagagale to repeat his performance from this week. If you like Sam Hartman, if you like Drake May, if you like anyone, feel free to go do it. Folks, it's easy to play, and it's available in over 30 states. You only have to pick between two and five players across any team. It doesn't just have to be pit. It can be any team you want. It's one of the easiest fantasy-to-play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in every single game folks sign up with the promo code locked on again that's one word locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 deposit $100 you get $100 free go to underdogfantasy.com or find underdog fantasy app in the apple store the google play store all you have to do the promo code locked on one word type that in you get $100 free on your first deposit, folks, get in on the best college football pick'em action today at Underdog Fantasy. All right, folks, we're back in here talking a little bit about this Rhode Island win. Again, there's only so much you can take away from what you see in this game. And there are, there were a few points of struggles. Uh, one, I think, offensively that was a struggle was Jaden Bradley. And that was unfortunate to see. Now, we don't know how long Jared Wayne will be out. He got dinged up last week, of course. You, you hope they just held Jared Wayne out for precautionary reasons this week, and he's back next week. But we don't know that. We don't know for sure if Jared Wayne's going to be able to suit up against Georgia Tech. And so they relied on Jaden Bradley. And, man, he had some rough, rough, rough reps. A drop. He, he had a bad penalty on special teams. He wasn't really getting open. It was tough. Um. It, it was pretty tough. So when when I look at it, man, that that's a problem area for me. I, I'm not totally sure about this wide receiving core. I like Jared Wayne. I think Mumfield's fine. Um, but you look at Jaden Bradley or Jalen Barden or someone else. They need someone else to step up outside of the top three they got. And it, it's supposed to be Jaden Bradley, but it hasn't been him just yet. And that's the one thing 
That, that really is warring offensively. As for the defense, okay. This D-line, man, didn't play that well in this one. Sean Fitzsimmons got a sack, which was nice to see in terms of the young guys. They're rotating a lot on defense. So it's tough to, to put any concrete details into the defense because, yeah, they gave up 24 points, but a lot of those points weren't on the first team. So I'm not going to put that on the main defense because it's not like it was the first team defense getting beat. It it was lots of second teamers, third teamers, fourth teamers. So let's keep it real here. Bam Brima was the starter across from John Morgan. Pitt was missing four of their top five DNs, Dayon Hayes, Nate Temple, Haba Cookball, Nano, and Des Alexander. All did not play. Now Des and Haba were dressed, so maybe they can play next week. That's probably the hope with what Narduzzi and company are hoping. They're hoping that these guys can suit up next week, keep them healthy for ACC play. You hit the long run, and that's really where you put things into gear. And so you'll have these guys back. Now, I think Hayes and Temple are out for an extended period of time, but I think if you have Morgan, Alexander, Balnado, and then you have Brima, and who else with that, Nakai Johnson, whatever, I think you'll be okay. Um, you look interior-wise. Man, College Kansi had a really good game. Again, Sean Fitzsimmons had a really nice play. I think David Green's had a pretty good game. The D-line, though, hasn't completely been up to stuff. Some of that's injuries, but some of that is definitely an underperformance and a little bit of a disappointment. The secondary, I thought they were fine. Man, A.J. Woods uh, definitely needs to improve a little bit. I've been a little worried about it. Sometimes I, I chalk it up to Deuce's scheme, and I feel like you have to chalk it up to Deuce's scheme sometimes just because, man, there's no doubt about it. Putting your guys in quarters coverage with no help on the outside is a tough ask. But sometimes he's just not in phase. Uh, he's He's got some sloppy punches up front. Uh, his feet are a little bit crazy at times. So he can get a little bit beat because of those things. And also at the catch point, I, I do feel like that's an area he needs to improve upon. Um, it's not even just getting your, your head around. I know people harp on that, but it's tough to do in the scheme that they run. It's more so being more competitive at the catch point for me. Um, so I would like to see that, but that's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about this linebacking core and their communication. Um, th- that was the one confusing thing I saw today that we hadn't seen really all year. I mean, we've seen the linebacking core have issues, but blatantly there were at least four, five, six miscommunications I saw in this game. The first rushing touchdown, someone completely just missed the B- the backside B gap. I mean, no one was there. That's not how that fit's supposed to be run up. It wasn't even like it was super well blocked. They were just out of the fit. And so they go for a 60-plus yard rushing touchdown. Like, that can't happen. That's an easy thing to fix. Big play that leads to the second touchdown. Massive slant over the middle. No one's around it. Where are the linebackers? They're doubling the guy in the flat. Why are they doing that? The final touchdown. Guys running wide open up the seam. Where are the linebackers? Why are they doubling the hook? There was a, a second and 15 where uh, they ran a, where Rhode Island ran a sprint out, and there were two guys, the corner and the linebacker and the flat, and the guy's wide open at the second level like it's 13 yards. That's a miscommunication. I saw so many miscommunications from the linebackers today. The linebackers, man, the linebackers, you got to communicate better. And I get it. They were switching in and out. I saw – three or four different units of linebackers today. But, man, that's concerning. This linebacker group hasn't really played that well this year. 
And that's been something that's been unfortunate because you were hoping that the guys that they had thrown into everything would mesh together and create something really well. It just hasn't happened yet. And that's the thing. And one of the things that I, I know it's tough because I like Bengali Kamara a lot. I love him coming into the year. Man, I made a whole episode talking about how this guy was going to be a star. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I look at this linebacker core, and, and I, I think there's issues all around it, man. Bengali Kamara has been... Not great so far. A lot of the miscommunications were on him. He it looked like he was the one out of fit. He was the one in the flat. And on the last touchdown, he was the one that allowed that. I mean, there's just mental errors he keeps making. And he's young. And, and so let's have patience. I'll pre- I'll preach that to you. Four games does not define a football player. Man, if Eric Hallett was defined by his first four games last year. Well, where would he be now? And now he's one of the best players on this defense. I mean, he's super solid now, right? Like, let's give these guys time. He is his first year starting full-time. You have to give him time. You have to let them settle in and learn with game experience. But let's also be real here, and let's say that he has struggled thus far. I think that that, we have to be real with that. Bengali Kamara has been off to a rough start. And he's been a big reason why teams have been able to run a little bit on pit. I mean, for the most part, the run defense has been good. It's just been a few plays, right? It's just been a few explosive plays they allowed because someone's out of a run fit. And thank God Kamara's done that a lot. He's got to play more in himself. He's got to be ready for the mental side of the game. Let's let him improve, though. Again, let's not hit the panic button. It's four games. That is such a small sample size. We don't know what Bengali Kamara is going to look like in Miami. That's what I will say. You can turn around so quickly in this football game. It is so different. But those miscommunications, that's the one thing I'm worried about. We can't see that these next coming weeks. Those are blown coverages on third and longs that you don't want to see. You just don't want to see that. And that is the one thing to me. That really was like, whoa, okay, back up. What are we doing here? They converted two third and 10 pluses because of those blown coverages. And that was really the one thing that that kind of, that, that struck me off a little bit. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and so those guys just reeling in a little bit. And keep everything in front of you. Be there in position. It's hard enough to defend in position as is. Don't get out of position to make it even worse. All right. I want to talk about moving forward, what we can see from this offense, and and really just why you shouldn't overreact even more to the overall game plan. But first, we'll go to a quick break. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast as we are continuing to talk here about Pitt's win over Rhode Island. So we've covered a little bit. The defense, the offense. Let's head to special teams because eventful day in this arena with MJ Devonshire having 
a punt return touchdown. I think Pitt has found their punt return. Now, there were other times where I was like, whoa, what's MJ doing? Running backwards, taking one like nearly out of bounds. Like, what is he doing on those plays? I don't know. There are some plays where I look at MJ Devonshire and I was like, whoa. But there's no dyna- there's no doubt he's dynamic. And they haven't had any dynamism out of that group. He's got he's clearly got to be the guy moving forward. He has to be. So that's your punt returner. Then Ben Sauls gets hurt on that roughing call. Caleb Junko gets the onside kick. Great moment, by the way. Love seeing kickers get their own onside kick. But if Sauls is hurt moving forward, man, you gotta imagine you see Scart. So we'll see how that works out. That could change the range. Could be more accurate. There's a lot of different moving parts with that on special teams. But let's talk about this game in totality. The game plan was clear. And, and I mean this broadly. Let's get it a dodge. Let's use it as a scrimmage to experiment with some things. And let's not try to do too much. Pitt did not want to show that much. They didn't pull out a ton of stuff. They tried a few little new things, see how it would work. You know, do all of that cool stuff. They just ran with it a little bit. But they didn't want to do anything crazy. And that became very clear to me right away. He did, Frank Signani did not want to open up much of this passing game at all. I mean, they only attempted two passes of more than 15 or more yards for the whole game. For the whole game. So they weren't trying to push this ball down the field. And I can't really blame him. Again, protect Keaton Slovis in this game. Let's not get him rocked. He just came back from a concussion. Stay conservative. But you now move forward. You're going to open up that game. This offense is not going to be like this moving forward. I think some people overreacted thinking would be. No, folks. It's not going to be 30 times to Izzy every game either. Frank Signetti... Is, nor, is neither a run-centric nor a pass-centric coach. He is a matchup-based coach. There are coaches that are run-based or pass-based. Mark Whipple was a pass-heavy coach, for example. Sean Watson is a run-heavy offensive coordinator. Now, those aren't the best examples. They're good in both arena, right? They're good, they're good OCs in both arenas. Let's talk about good run offensive coordinators. Greg Roman for the Baltimore Ravens, has built the entire thing around Lamar Jackson. They are consistently productive in their rushing attack. If you want to also talk about a coach that bases his passing game off his rushing game, Kyle Shanahan. That is what you're talking about there. But then if you want to go to the opposite side and talk about a pass-centric offense coordinator that's really good in the NFL, for example, let's talk about Andy Reid, someone like that. If you want to go college example, let's go to Lincoln Riley, right? Someone like this. These guys are good. Robert and I, um, like guys like that, that are really good offensive coordinators. Then there's kind of this wild card where you're a matchup-based offensive coordinator. That's what it has right now. That's what Frank Signetti is. Remember the game plan against Tennessee, right? It was just to air this football out. I mean, they were not running the football all that much. They went shotgun, they spread them out, and they threw it. They threw it at will, man. Frank Signetti has nothing wrong with airing it out 40 times if the game plan requires it to. He'll run it 40 times, too. The game plans these past two weeks have been, 
all right, we have an inexperienced third-string quarterback in one week. The next week we're facing Rhode Island. We feel like we can get out of Dodge by just running the ball all game. They were right on both, and they won. They weren't supposed to be entertaining or flashy. These are not sexy game plans. What they are, though, are efficient, smart game plans based on matchup and based on circumstance. I don't know if Pitt's going to be able to win rushing the ball 50 times against most ACC opponents, but they're not going to do it. They're not. The circumstances require that game plan, and so did this game. Again, they weren't trying to do everything in this game. They weren't trying to do much. They were trying to keep it mostly relaxed and within a base of wide zone and screens. Defensively, they were mixing things up more coverage-wise. That probably led to a little bit more of the miscommunications. They were moving around their guys a little bit more. Safety rotations, graded 3DB, three safeties at times. They were doing a lot more than I thought they would. And so that was particularly interesting. But again, they didn't try all that much in this game. So I would not overreact to it. There is very little you can take away from a win over Rhode Island. So I would not overreact to much you saw in this game. Again, the only thing I'm worried about is those miscommunications at the second level because that's a fundamental basic part of football. You got to have it, but it could be related to the second and the third stringers playing together, the first and the second stringers, you know, just the bleeding together of units. That could definitely be a part of it. And so that's the one thing I'm worried about. But don't take too much from this game. Pitt has been a team that has showcased an ability to be a good one. They have. Like, look at what they've done. They've proven enough that they can be a good football team. And so I wouldn't worry much. I think Pitt's got a good squad on their hands. Yes, they have to improve. There's lots to work on. There's lots to work on. No doubt. No doubt there's lots to work on. But I think Pitt, they are starting to kind of get an identity for themselves, of what they're good at and what they're not good at. And I think this team's going to end up being a pretty good one. I truly do believe that. I'll be back tomorrow, though, folks, talking about why I believe that. And we're going to explore the landscape of the ACC Coastal because, folks, Pitt has an opportunity this year looking at this schedule right now. We will discuss that tomorrow. I want to talk about it because I think it's really going to be reflective of Pitt's season overall. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. As always, hail.